Working out is just half the equation to living a healthy lifestyle. Nutrition is the other half. You should be a complete trainer. By mastering nutrition with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, you can become just that. As a certified nutrition coach, you'll be able to provide guidance to clients seeking to improve their body composition, athletic performance, and their health through carefully crafted nutrition programs that take age, culture, socioeconomic status, and more into account. Why wait? Start helping clients live their healthiest lives. Sign up for your nutrition certification today at nasm.org slash cnc or call 1-800-460-6276. You're listening to The Strong Mind, Strong Body, the podcast that brings fitness and wellness together with your host, fitness and mental health expert, Angie Miller, part of the NASM Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome to our Friday Strong Mind, Strong Body webinar series. I'm so happy you joined us. And you know, recently I discovered that we are not just a webinar series. Strong Mind, Strong Body is also available as a podcast. So if you don't catch us live, it always stays up as a webinar on Facebook and sometimes goes to Instagram. And then you can always catch the, the audio version on Audible or I'm sorry, now we're on Audible. I think it's on Spotify or probably on the NASM page. So lots of different ways to catch us. But I'm Angie Miller. I am an NASM master instructor, an APA mentor, and a mental health therapist. And I love uh, hosting this webinar because I get some amazing, amazing speakers on here. And we talk about topics that are close to my heart and that I think are very relevant to all of us out in the fitness space. So today's topic is how to build a better body image and body conscious industry who try to say that 10 times but you know what that's a big deal because we are a very body image driven industry and i really want to kind of shift the narrative from punishment going in and beating up our body because we feel guilty over that turkey dinner to empowering our body and rewarding our body because we love the skin we're in and we feel like we deserve to look and we deserve to feel even better so who i have with me today is abby griffith she owns clarity fitness she's also a body positive facilitator you might remember her because abby was a presenter at optim and she has amazing insight on this topic, so I'm really happy to have her here. So, Abby, I'm going to turn it over to you, let you introduce yourself, maybe give a kind of a short version of, of what brought you into the realm of wanting to be a body positive facilitator. Awesome. Definitely. Well, thank you so, so much for having me. It's always an honor. I'm so excited excited to be here. And really what brought me to this point was my own journey. I was a hardcore, still am, hardcore fitness lover. And I really, really wanted to be as involved and as educated in the fitness sphere as possibly possible. So I started being a client of personal training when I was in like fifth grade. And it started off really positive, really productive, and unfortunately kind of snowballed to a point of it not being so good for me anymore. I developed some really severe eating disorder and disordered eating behaviors and really had a toxic relationship with fitness, just that all or nothing mindset, that pushing too hard, too much, too frequently, and really got to a place where I was burnt out and unfortunately sick from that. So going into therapy and seeing that there was this different perspective of how I could take care of myself and how I could 
love my body was mind blowing. It was a total paradigm shift. And I found the world of body positive wellness when it helped me get out of my eating disorder. And it really closely aligns to a lot of the things that NASM is here to help us understand. It's really trying to teach what is sustainable and flexible and fun for that individual client, just looking at it in a different way and looking at it in terms of what takes care of the body from the inside out. So it's been a full spectrum of all types of extremes to all types of feeling more balanced in myself and my own wellness journey. I love that. Wow, that's incredible. Starting personal training in fifth grade. And, and it's amazing to hear that it started out such a positive thing, but then it transitioned into, you know, maybe more rigid, uh, rigid patterns, which sometimes happens with disordered eating, right? The rigidity and the musts and the shoulds and what was fun becomes kind of extreme and becomes kind of almost self-competitive. And so I'm really glad you're here because that's kind of what we want to talk about is what role do we play as trainers, as group fitness instructors in shifting this narrative from, you know, you need to come here and punish your body because of Thanksgiving dinner, or you need to come here, lose weight or get, you know, tight buns, big guns to, I want to talk about how you feel. I want to internalize the messaging and, and really focus on what are the takeaways for each individual. So to humanize and personalize the workouts that we create for our clients. And so that's what Abby and I have developed today. We've done a lot of back and forth this week, and we've had some really amazing conversations about body positivity. You know, I, I grew up in a family of four women and my mom, four sisters and my mom, and I've raised two daughters and work with lots of women in the fitness space, have lots of girlfriends and um, have seen more than my share, fair share of disordered eating up close and personal and how it really affects women, uh, their mind, their body, how they live their lives, how they function with other people and uh, even relationships, especially intimacy. So this is such a powerful topic and I'm so glad we get to dig into it with you. So what Abby and I have decided is we've got nine takeaways for you. We have nine ways that you as a trainer and your fitness instructor can help your clients build a positive body image because we really believe that it starts with us right um they come to the gym and they might come to the gym because they think that they want to lose weight and that's that's all there is but we really want we know that there's bigger things and more powerful things that are going to keep them in the gym right absolutely couldn't have said it better <laughs> <laughs> So the first thing that Abby, that you and I talked about, the first thing that we wanted to kind of send the message to traders was the probably the most powerful way to shift the narrative from, you know, punishment to reward is, is coaching and cueing. And we talked about how words matter. Words are really, really powerful. And the words that we use as trainers go a long way. It's kind of like, you know how we say that our kids are listening? Well, guess what? Our clients are listening. So if we make a lot of comments about the body, you know, as far as, like I said, getting tight buns and big guns and whatever it is, um, you know, it kind of is demoralizing to the psyche. As a whole, society has made exercise about looks and appearance and everything on the outside. But I see those images, they even hang on the gym walls. I walk in and think, oh my gosh, you know, uh, is it just the, the, the more seasoned I get and the, you know, the longer, the older I get and the more I hang out in gyms, the more I think, what are these images anyway? Because I look around at the gym and the people working out and they don't look anything like those images. 
And so we talked about words and, you know, tapping into how our clients feel versus how they look and how you use coaching specifically toward that. So what do you do? Because you own Clarity Fitness. You own a body positive gym, Abby. I'm putting in that plug for you. And <laughs> what do you do? How do you coach your clients to shift this narrative? It is a really, really interesting system that we figured out. We really found a way to meet clients where they're at. So someone comes in, hey, I want to lose weight. I hate this about my body. I want to change this. I need to fix this. And we're able to start to slowly but surely, it definitely takes time, not overnight, but slowly shift that focus away from that place of not being enough to appreciating themselves as they are. And then we're able to motivate from a place of having respect for the body instead of having hate for the body. So things like, okay, I totally understand that you have this weight loss goal. What if we add to that goal? What if we start to pay attention to how you're sleeping or how you feel after the workout? Do you need to go lay down in the bathroom to catch your breath after we finish our hour? Or are you feeling kind of rejuvenated and feel like you have energy and you're excited for your day? Are you feeling nauseous? Are you feeling stressed? What can we pay attention to in terms of those feelings instead of it all being appearance-based? And a lot of times people are very open-minded to that. And maybe they're not stepping away from the scale immediately, but they're interested in other avenues to gauge their health and gauge their well-being more so than just that number on the scale. Yeah, I love that. I love the way that you said that, you know, you don't, you don't quote argue with what they say. You don't tell them, no, this is not what we're going to do. You say, you know, I love that, but have you thought about this? And, you know, it would be, I actually think it'd be helpful for trainers to have a checklist of questions. So, you know, how we do that intake form, add to the intake form, things like what you just said, Abby, you know, is it hard for you to get out of bed in the morning or whatever some of the questions are, um, you know, what makes you feel most motivated? What do you do during the day that, that gives you energy versus takes your energy away and just adding some other more internal types of things, you know, um, talking about their lives and what might help reduce stress and making it more impactful and meaningful to them versus just external appearances. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So the second thing that we talked about, and it's very, very similar, and it goes right along with the coaching and the cueing, but it, it's also about that whole reward versus punishment thing, and it's about asking why. And you mm -hmm. kind of already targeted that as, you know, why are our clients here? And I know the first thing they say, again, is, well, I want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know... Um, it has usually something to do with weight loss or, or whatever it might be. It's usually an external thing, but really talk going deeper than that, really extrapolating. Well, what is it about losing weight? Like, what do you think would change about your life if you lost weight? What would be better in your life if you were able to lose weight? Um, what do you think would be different a year from now if you were to lose weight? So I really want to get into, it's a little bit of motivational interviewing too, but I really want to get into why is losing weight important to you outside of how you look on the outside? What would weight loss do for you on the inside? So what do you think about that, Abby? What do you think about the why and kind of, you know, that, that whole shifting the paradigm there? Definitely. That's, it depends on who you ask and which direction you're going. So I'm, I'm big on the why. I love the why because a lot of times 
the why is rooted in my friend Sally lost 20 pounds and she feels and looks way quote unquote better. So that's my weight loss goal. It's not backed in science. It's not backed in something that works for them or something that's on their own terms. It's a he said, she said kind of vibe that we're building off of and really being judgmental of ourselves if and when we don't reach that goal, which is okay and doesn't mean that you are worse off than when you started or haven't achieved anything in your wellness journey. It's important to have that bigger picture so that as we know, weight loss isn't always a set out to lose weight, will lose the weight kind of direction. And for a lot of the people in the body positive community and the health at every size community, they're starting to look at does weight loss equal health gains no matter what all the time. And a lot of the science is saying there is a point where that's not true and that's not the case. And people like me who struggled with eating disorders, more weight loss was more health gained and I was better and I was fitter if I kept losing this weight. That's not true. And we need to have those conversations too so that it's not this all or nothing, lose weight, better person, more weight, worse person kind of dichotomy. That's not how science works. That's not the facts. And stepping back into the why in terms of quality of life and what might else bring that quality of life to life for you. <laughs> That's a really exciting yeah. conversation that gets people excited about other avenues as well. Right. I couldn't, you know, I think that that was, that was exceptionally well said, because again, it comes down to just because you lose five pounds, you know, again, it goes back to those questions that I ask on motivational interviewing, you know, if you lose 20 pounds, how is your life going to be different? You know, is it going to, is it going to improve your relationships? Is it going to improve your relationship with your significant other? Is it going to improve your relationship with your family members? I mean, really, how deep does weight loss go, right? Mm -hmm. Because what we're really looking for is what is impactful to your life. And so it's almost like um, making sure that those expectations make sense. Because sometimes, you know, um, this is a really strange analogy, but it reminds me of that book, The Road Less Traveled from a, a zillion years ago. And his first line was, life is difficult. And he talks about how um, sometimes people will wait to be happy. Like, we'll all be happy when this is over or this stress is over or I get this problem solved. And sometimes I think people do that with weight loss. Well, I'll feel better about myself when I lose 20 pounds. If I never lose 20 pounds, I guess I never feel good about myself. You know what, as trainers, we have to say, that's not good enough. We got to find some other ways that we can feel good about ourselves outside of one parameter or one foundational element to self-esteem. Definitely. And when you get those 20 pounds lost, like I did, unfortunately, then I didn't like this part of my arm and then my abs were a problem. And it's, it's always that yes. I will be happy when, and that doesn't go away when you hit that goal. So it's really important that we let it be in the now and help our clients see that it can be in the now. You don't have to achieve and keep pushing and grinding in order to appreciate yourself. And I think that's so important. Yeah, that was an actually really a good point to make because it's so true because a lot of times then when weight loss does come, then it becomes something else we're going to pick on. And the mm -hmm. reason why that's important is because, again, it comes to a more internal issue of self-esteem and self-concept. It comes to more internal messaging, and that's what we really have to target. It may seem like weight loss is going to solve the problem, but really it's about what's going on in here, 
right? So um, the other thing that we talked about, Abby, was intentions and takeaways. And I know you're a very big intention girl, and so am I. So when I talk about intentions and takeaways, what comes to your mind and how you use that with your clients? Intentions are my favorite because you are not a terrible person if you don't achieve them. <laughs> For me, in my all or nothing perfectionist brain, if you set a goal and you don't achieve the goal, you've done something wrong or you should have tried harder or you could have been better. And that's a very slippery slope for me. So I like the word intention because if I have an intention to go to the grocery store today and don't, I don't suck. And that's really empowering because then I can give myself permission to try again tomorrow. And it will get done because I'll keep setting that intention, but I'm not going to take the emotional, mental, and physical beating in the meantime. And when we set intentions before personal training sessions or before classes at Clarity, we're really trying to set a different type of intention. A lot of times, like the example you gave, we're going to burn off this Thanksgiving meal. That's not productive and that's not a healthy approach to what we're trying to get out of this movement session. We're trying to have fun and take care of ourselves and empower ourselves. And when we get clear to that intention from the get-go and say, hey, this session, I'm kind of feeling tired and I want to See if I can give myself permission to take it easy and really focus on range of motion or mobility or flexibility instead of getting the biggest workout I've ever gotten in my entire life. Or sometimes, hey, I'm really feeling good and I'm having fun with my friend. I'm excited about this workout. Let's make it fun. Or let's step away from comparing myself to the person in the class next to me or to what I did in my last personal training session. Those are productive intentions. And I think that it's so important that we as trainers filter those intentions for our clients and propose things like that instead of you're going to get after it and burn all the calories. That might not be what's going to land the best, especially in terms of mindset. Right. And you know, I love intentions too. And I, I talk about setting intentions at the beginning of class and I don't just do this in yoga. I do this at the beginning of a training session. I do it at the beginning of a group fitness class. And I always talk about what, what is one intention that you want to get out of this workout or this routine or this, this personal training experience today? Just one intention. Is it that you want to focus on your breath? Is it that you want to clear your personal whiteboard and, and clear away some of the clutter that you came in here with? Is it that you want to relieve stress? Is it that you want to feel empowered from the inside out? Is it that you want to pay attention to your breath? And I really try to focus on intentions that again are internal, not external. So ways that we can feed the body, feed the mind, feed the soul. So that when they leave at the end of class, and I always say, go back to that intention. Do you feel like you, you were able to meet that intention? And generally what I tell people is, if you set a small intention at the beginning of class and that's what you're focused on, you generally do achieve it because guess what? The mind believes what it kind of focuses on, right? So if I'm thinking about my breath, I am achieving that intention to focus on my breath. So it's sort of, you know, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, so to speak. That's awesome. I love that. That's a perfect example of you already having a win instead of it needing to be focused long-term. I love that. Yeah. And you know, the takeaways, what we talked about with this one was the intentions and takeaways. To me, the takeaways are some of the things that you and I just said, 
leaving them with personal tidbits that they can take away when they go home, you know? So a lot of times the takeaway could be an article that I share or something about body positivity or some type of a mantra or something that I talk to them about that they can take home with them, that they can focus on what I really want them to get out of this experience, right? What I want them to get out of this exercise experience. So takeaways and tensions. So you talk a lot about giving permission and that was another thing that we talked about and you kind of targeted that a little bit just now, but you talk a lot about giving your clients permission. And I love that because how often do people give us permission? So you give them permission to listen to their body, honor their body. Tell me more about that. Absolutely. Giving permission for me is so, so needed in the fitness space because a lot of people aren't as comfortable as we as fitness professionals are in the gym and in different fitness settings. And I think it's really easy to forget that when you've been doing it for 20 some odd years, but it's really important to give that green light that, hey, if this hurts, stop. If this is really, really, really scary to you and unpleasant, please communicate that to me. And I'm not going to be mean to you when you do so as your trainer. And I think that that's something that people need to hear spelled out to them in the beginning of workouts. And sometimes in every workout, if a client comes to me in the beginning of the session and says, hey, I had a, a trip and kind of tweaked my ankle funny yesterday, I say, okay, well, definitely thank you for bringing that to my attention. Let's make sure that we're checking in and making sure that that's not getting irritated throughout this session. Let me know if anything hurts. And then when I'm doing a workout that I know might be funky or might be something that could potentially flare it up, I say, reminder, definitely you have permission to bring that to me. If that's not feeling right, we're going to stop. We can mix it up. We can modify. We can change whatever we're doing. So no workout is ever set in stone. And when the client starts to know that, they get to release some of that anxiety and a little bit of that pressure around what they feel like they need to prove to themselves and to you as that trainer there. I'm so glad you used those two words, permission and anxiety um or not permission pressure and anxiety because they do feel like um clients in a personal training session in a group fitness class it's so competitively driven and i feel like they feel a lot of pressure that they need to keep up keep up with the joneses keep up with the girl next door the guy over on the next machine there's a lot of keeping up and checking out other people and giving them permission says you know what you have permission just to be where you are today and the other thing, Abby, I have to tell you something. The uh, the funny thing is when you talked about the permission is I was thinking about going back to the coaching and the queuing and the punishment versus reward. And I was thinking about some of the things that I've heard trainers say over the years. I kid you not. I could have written like a whole book on things that I've heard trainers say. But things like, you know, what, like, come on, you could do this. My grandma could do better than that. You know, just the things that you hear trainers say. And, and I know that we can say, well, it's all in humor. And maybe some clients do respond to that's why I can't say that not everybody does, but you know, when I think about giving permission and I think about, you know, using positive words, I think about like energy words, affirmation type of words, like, you know, I see you, I see you giving it all you got. I, you know, I'm watching you, um, realizing your potential instead of, you know, come on, is this all you got? Why'd you come to the gym today? You know, right. so there's a lot of just words really do matter. And we do have to give them permission to not kill themselves every time they come to the gym. 
Absolutely. And I think that that you can get to know your clients, you know, like in that rapport building stage, you can see, are they a type A kind of client? Are they going to be harder on themselves than anyone else? And I think that it's an especially big red flag when you start to hear themselves beating up on their bodies, beating up on their abilities, saying those comparison kind of words to extra red flag, not say those inhumor things that might not be landing comically on that person's side of things. So I think that that's so, so important. And I totally agree. We can write a, a double book because that's, there's so much, <laughs> all, all of the phrases. <laughs> well, and you know, you and I are also perfect kind of uh, prototypes for this because we both have self-proclaimed for perfectionistic tendencies. And so, you know, we're competitive with ourselves. And so mm -hmm. things that other people say are going to land on us a little bit differently. So sometimes mm -hmm. you might feel like you have that type A client, that client wants to go in there and get it done. And while we do, we are also paying more attention to the words that you're using. We're watching you. We're listening to you. So we have to be careful with that. We can be quote type A and hard driving, but we can also have a perfectionistic side that sets very high standards for ourselves. Sometimes we need that trainer who can level us out and say, slow down, girl. Okay. <laughs> you know what? You don't have to get it all done today, right? We need that trainer who can help us keep balance because sometimes we're not good at keeping balance. And I, I think that's a big role for trainers. Absolutely. And I know on the trainer side of things, I've had to coach some of this in my own team. You're not a quote unquote better trainer for kicking your clients butt the most. And I think that it gets really scary when we're comparing what we're doing as trainers to the next trainer, not knowing anything about that trainer's client or desires or what they want out of that workout. And sometimes it's totally fine for that client to come in and go on a walk with you. If they've had a terrible day at work and are just so depleted, but want some movement, you don't have to bust their butt. You have a permission slip as trainers to be able to pump the brakes like you were saying. So I think that that's so important to remember. Yeah, go where they are, right? Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. So the other thing that we talked about, speaking of comparisons, we talked about curbing comparisons. Mm -hmm. And I know as trainers, we're like, well, how do we stop them from comparing? But you know what? We play a bigger role in this. And we realize we have to watch our own narrative and what we're mm -hmm. saying about other people in the gym. Because again, our clients are listening. But mm -hmm. as, you know, especially, Especially as females, there's this ideal body type. I don't know if anybody knows, but it's all over social media. Again, the images are in the gym. There's this way that we're supposed to look, and then there's this way that we all look, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't really care if butts are in style. Um, <laughs> you know what? My behind is what my behind is, right? And I'm not going to be able to to genetically transform that just because they are, you know, in style to look a certain way. And so there's a lot of comparisons that go on. Um, outside of the gym, but also inside of the gym. And so really curbing comparisons and and uh, really helping our clients with that. When, like you mentioned one earlier, when you said, you know, uh, Cindy comes in and says, I want to lose 20 pounds because my client lost 20 pounds. Now she's got this amazing boyfriend and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's the spiral of my life is going to look like that if I do exactly what she did. So curbing comparisons, um, and what do, you, what do you think about that? 
Absolutely. People of all ages, genders, shapes, sizes are so impacted by this all the time because we're constantly getting these messages to achieve and to do and to fix and to look a certain way. And it's not only a never ending cycle to do that, but the things that we're being told to do and achieve are often polar opposites. So we're being told, open the business and become a quadruple billionaire. And then we're also being told, make sure to never let your work-life balance get in flux and keep it super regimented that you're always taking care of yourself. And we're being told to eat this way, but then give ourselves food freedom. And it can be very, very fuzzy when we don't know what works for us and what feels good for us. And I think that it's so, so important to give clients permission. I sound like a broken record, but give people the space at least to really tap into what is on their own terms. And when we can find that for ourselves, it is an absolute game changer. People never have to feel like they have to do or achieve or change what works for them if it's truly helping and nourishing themselves. There are no steadfast rules for how you have to live your life or do your workouts every single time. And that freedom and that flux is what makes you alive, I feel like. And that's so important to to find your own sense of self. And it's not going to look the same as Sally's from the office, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the I'm I'm literally in the middle of working on a blog right now about, you know, the greatest we can give ourselves is the gift of self-acceptance. And mm-hmm. talking about all these comparisons and these mixed messages that society sends. And I mean, you and I in one of our conversations, you were saying some hilarious ones. And you're right, you know, even as as women, you know, we're told to go out there, build a business, but then we're told, but be careful, don't, you know, make sure that you're not, you know, not paying not enough attention to your husband and your kids. And mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot of mixed messages and so just about the time that we think we're doing the right thing somebody else has an opinion about that and so at the end of the day we're never going to be able to you know the persons are a slippery slope and so it's compare yourself to the person you were yesterday and the person you aspire to be tomorrow and so just be the best version of you and so when, when i see clients comparing themselves I hear the word anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. anxiety is in their brain and that anxious brain is kicking in and, mm-hmm. and they're starting to spiral down that path of this is the way I'm supposed to look, or this is what I should be doing to look that way. And, um, I've even seen, you know, uh, two people in a stairmaster next to each other. And if one starts doing the, you know, backward butt kick, I notice the other one starts doing the backward butt kick. Yep. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> anyway, so what are you doing? So, um, you know, one of the ways that I teach clients to, uh, what's that? I said, it's so true. I've seen it as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like a little, you know, like little robots repeating each other, but um, one of the ways that I teach how to curb comparison is just, you know, um, reframing. So when you say something like, um, you know, I, I, I should look like that, or I would feel better if I did this and, you know, reframe, um, acknowledge something positive about your body, give yourself an affirmation. Like we talked about early, put it on a sticky note, you know what, um, find a part of your body that you love. There's got to be one part. I love my brain. Um, I love my arms. I love my whatever it might be. And so every time you find yourself picking on a piece of a part of your body, 
target back to that one part of your body that you really appreciate and enjoy or those two parts and put those sticky notes around your house so that you remember that there are things about your body that you love and appreciate and none of us are perfect. There's never going to be every single part of your body that you love all the time because that's just simply not possible, right? So, and, and sometimes when I, you know, I, I say things like, you know, use humor. So um, if, if somebody says, um, you know, if I see a wrinkle in the mirror and I start focusing on that wrinkle, I think, yeah, but I got big guns. So, you know, if somebody comments on my wrinkle, I can, I can give them one. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely, I think that, that that's part of the body image paradigm of, I should have a perfect relationship with my body if I'm doing enough of this body positivity approach or if I'm doing enough of this fitness that should word is in there in the air quotes and it's it's still that same cycle of hey how can I step away from even putting rules on myself for things that are helping me and with that body image stuff achieve trying to achieve that all or nothing perspective of I'm gonna 100% never have anything tough or negative to say about my body versus I'm constantly going to be beating up on myself, we can find kind of that gray area in the middle and we can figure out what really does serve us. And for me, even as someone who has devoted my entire gym and my entire career to this body positive approach, I have terrible body image days every once in a while. And I have tools to help myself through that and release some of that pressure. But if I beat myself up for having those bad body image days, when I do have them, that would just be an added level of anxiety and comparisonitis there. So giving yourself permission to move toward body neutrality instead of this passionate obsession over every inch of myself is really freeing and liberating, at least for me, to be at a place where I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. I appreciate myself. I see my value. I see my worth. And then there are some days where I feel freaking awesome. And there are some days where not so much. <laughs> and finding that flux and yeah. just getting to a place where overall I'm taking care of myself is so huge. I love that. When you, when you say body neutrality, what are you, what are you talking about? What's body neutrality to you? Yeah, for me, I think body negativity is where a lot of us live on the spectrum in terms of the laundry list of things that we don't like or the comparisons, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about in this webinar and this series of just really taking care of ourselves and appreciating ourselves, mind and body. And then also on the other end, there is the body positivity where we're really, really truly appreciating ourselves and truly celebrating our uniqueness and diversity. I think that is a beautiful thing and I want to be there for myself. I feel like I am able to be there for others a lot more than I'm able to be there for myself. And I see the beauty and value and worth in other body shapes and sizes and abilities. And I think that it's amazing. And I find myself not able to put that lens back on myself a lot of the time. So being able to get there with my own body at some point would be amazing. But I'm not going to short myself credit that I deserve for doing the work to move in that direction. Instead, I'm in this place of body neutrality where I'm in a much different place than I was when I was really severely struggling with my body and my eating disorders. But I'm also not totally always free of those body image days. And I think that that's okay. And that makes me human. And beating up on myself for not being there doesn't serve me. 
I love that. So, you know, basically body neutrality is like humanizing the whole experience that mm -hmm. we all struggle with lack of self-worth. We all have these big fears. You know, I went to a, a four day workshop on a type of therapy and he, he put up on the board, um, everybody's deepest, darkest thoughts of the, what if I'm not worthy? What if mm -hmm. I'm not thin enough? What if I'm not good enough? What if my, um, what if my kids don't love me? What if I'm a bad mother? And all these like really dark things that go through all of our personal psyche that make us human, that make us, um, that, that, you know, we're, we're, we're people of, of where we love ourselves, but we also doubt ourselves. And so we live in this neutral space where we have to accept that we're not going to be extremists. We're not going to be all or nothing. And so I really like that. And so with the curbing the comparisons, I do think that the affirmations help because I, I think that another way that I teach my clients is I actually ask them to take one full day and write down every single negative dialogue that comes into their mind. And at first they look at me like, hmm. I'm like, no, I want to write down every single negative message that you say to yourself throughout the day. And when they come back, they're shocked. They're shocked at how many negative messages. And a lot of them are repetitive. It's like a radio station that plays the same song over and over and over again because they say these negative messages to themselves. And so I say, there goes my AirPod. So I say, okay, so let's reframe. Let's think of something that we can say to that message to challenge that message and call its bluff and say, okay, what if that's not completely accurate? What if that's not the whole story? What's something else you could say to doubting Debbie? Sorry if there's Debbies out there. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's something else you could say to that doubter within you to kind of, you know, call its bluff and challenge it? Absolutely. And there's different approaches to that, depending on your mindset, depending on what feels good for you. I know on my end, I need some some gentle compassion and less of a tough love kind of person. I need some thinking about myself as a younger version of me or thinking of what I'd say to my friend or I'm personally a big animal person and thinking about what I'd be treating my loving pets don't have kids yet <laughs> in that way and would I not let them eat if they were hungry and just kind of checking it in parallel against things that I know would be serving other people, I'm able to kind of reflect that back to myself. And if it's not in line with something that's actually positive and empowering, I'm going to check that with a, hey, it's okay. I see you. We're scared right now. We're going to work through this. And if you're more of a tough love person, maybe, hey, not today, not going to happen. <laughs> and you're able to kind of bring some light or at least bring some attention to that headspace and hopefully shift directions. Yep. I love that. I see you. And that's something we can say as a trainer. If we hear clients say a negative message, say, Hey, you know what? I see you. I see that anxious brain turning, or I see that doubter inside of you. And we all, we all go there sometimes, but you know, let's hold that with compassion. Let's understand that we all have these fears and doubts, but that's not the whole story, right? Mm -hmm. We're writing the story right now. The story is not, the story is not ending. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, I love that. You talked about another thing. Actually, you just kind of talked about that. Like, would you talk to your friend this way? And you and I talked about one of the things that we want to share with trainers is to um, talk to our clients about being up. And, and we've kind of targeted this a little bit, but, you know, self-talk and self-compassion. And so would you talk to your best friend that way? You know, mm -hmm. so when my clients write down these messages, one of the things that I ask them, is there a single thing on that list that you would ever say to your friend? Is there a single thing on that list that you would ever say to a family member? 
Would you ever call a family member, oh my gosh, some of the words that people say about themselves, right? Would you ever talk to someone that you care about that way? And, and really the big answer is absolutely not, probably not even an enemy, but yet we look in the mirror and talk to ourselves like where they are, we are the enemy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just hearing those, hearing that tape play, that was what I always called it in eating disorder therapy was it's a, it's a cassette. It's a tape for my nineties babies out there and older. <laughs> it's something that we can press pause on and we can learn to hear, click pause, let it sit for a second. And then hopefully one day hit stop and hopefully one day hit eject and release that from anything that we ever need to be putting on ourselves. Yeah. And I love that. And I would add to that when you hit pause, hit pause with self-compassion, hit pause with a little bit of distance between you and that thought and recognize that thoughts are thoughts. It doesn't mean that they're all accurate. I mean, we have millions of thoughts. Okay. But that doesn't mean that every single thought is accurate. So hit pause with self-compassion and say, there's that thought again. I'm going to stay with it for a second, give it some compassion, but I'm hoping that I can just keep the recorder off if only for today, maybe <laughs> tomorrow it'll come back and then I'll hit pause again. Absolutely. Right. So I love that. So just that enoughness and uh, holding our stories, our narrative with self-compassion. And one thing that I do too, as a, as you know, as a trainer, one thing that I have said to people before is, you know what, you can talk trash about yourself when you're not here, but when you're in my space and you're training with me, I'm not going to sit with you while you talk trash about yourself. Absolutely. My friend has this funny little jar. She has a body positive fitness studio that's more dance focused interfusion fitness in Atlanta also. And she has a little jar. And every time you talk trash about your body, you have to donate a dollar. And I love it. <laughs> it's, it's a good way to just make it comical, but also catch it. And it's a it's a good balance of that kind of comedic relief to the check of like, mm, nope, not today, but with love. Yeah. See, I used to always have a swear jar at my house when my kids were growing up, but everybody got super rich off me. And so I was like, you know what? I started just telling my kids, you know what? You can swear when you get my age. Don't worry about it. So I, I gave up on that. That was like, I'll do one of those body positive jars, but I give up on the swearing jar. So, um, you know what? Here's another one. <laughs> here's another one that you and I talked about. And I think we cannot miss this one is that I don't know so much if men do this. Okay. I, I have been in a female dominant world most of my life. And, and yes, I have lots of boyfriends and, and lots of boys that I would consider my brothers, but you know, I, I have been in a very female dominant world. I'll tell you something, females, I'm going to call you out females. They do this thing where, um, they fall into like competitive criticism. So like, if my girlfriend's like, oh my gosh, I feel so fat today, then I feel like I need to go, oh my God, I know I ate so much. And I need to like, join her alliance and start trashing my body. But you know what, as females, we don't have to do that. We could call our friend out and say, oh, you know what, Abby, there you are again. I see that inner critic coming out. Um, let's talk about something you like, and then I'll share something I like. We don't have to like get on the Stairmaster and do butt kicks the person next to us did them. <laughs> and just like, we don't have to trash our body because our friend trashes hers. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And I think that that's, that's that variation of it's kind of quote unquote cute or a funny thing to let compliments go. If someone compliments you on your shirt, oh no, it's, it's like $2. Don't worry about it. And you're kind of bashing down that 
that giving that someone's just offered you some peace and some validation. We don't have to compete about how terrible things are. We can re-paradigm that and yes. shift the script, take care of ourselves and help other people do the same. Yes, I do have a problem with doing that. I'm like, oh, I got it at Target for $2. Right. Okay, yes, you called me out. <laughs> exactly, don't do that. <laughs> All right. So the last thing that we want to cover is shifting from all, you know, shifting from, um, you know, looking at your body in terms of appearance and talking about all the crap your body can do. So like I wrote a blog a couple of years ago on like a, an ode to Valentine's Day self-love and self-acceptance. And it was all about taking your body in pieces and talking about functionality. So, you know, personally, I love, um, all the, the, the hands that I have touched. Um, I love all of the times that I've been able to pick up my, my babies, my fur babies, my real babies. Um, you know, I love that my arms have had the strength to get me to the gym and do the things that I want to do. I love how many miles my legs have walked. And, you know, when you think about that, like the function of your body, uh, what comes to your mind? What's a body part that you think of and you think, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I have my lips to kiss the people I care about the most. What comes to your mind? Yeah, I, for me, that was a huge eating disorder recovery tool. So I was really, really picking on my stomach. I know a lot of people of all gender, shape, sizes are in that camp, unfortunately. And I really started to get to a place of remembering how I used to be when I was like, three years old and wearing fun costumes and going for Halloween with like tank tops or whatever that might be and showing off my belly and rubbing it and being like, this yes. is my belly and the swimsuits when I was little, all the things. So it was really just coming back to that place of, hey, this this isn't necessarily a bad thing. My brain made it become a bad thing because of other messages that I was getting. And I can choose to opt out and unsubscribe to those messages, pause that tape and hopefully eject it. And I really, really got to that place of being okay with my body because my stomach specifically, because it keeps me standing upright. It's part of my core. It is something that I can take care of and really love when it feels nauseous. I can give it a rub. And it's just something that you can kind of come back to that childhood thinking about. And I love, love, love that approach and think that that's such a thing, regardless of your physical ability, whether you're differently abled or whether you are really, really judgmental of a certain part of your body, that part of your body and the parts of your body that are keeping you alive are doing something and you can send gratitude to them regardless of what is going on in your life. So I think that it's so important to shift back to that, especially on those tough body image days, because that is for sure one of the tools in my toolbox. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, for women, a lot of times it's their hips and thighs are the bane of their existence. And yet, you know, that's what allowed them, you know, that that's, that's how they had 80s, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, you know, all these different things that my, my body parts have been able to do. And, and I, I love the way that you just put that. So Abby, I'm so happy you joined us here today. And um, I'm really glad that you shared your body positive. You know, I've talking about body confidence for years and, mm -hmm. and I love, love, love that you've started this gym and you've, you've developed this whole, um, space around giving that a place and a name and, and bringing it to the fitness world. And so 
basically, you know, as a recap, what Abby and I thought as takeaways for you as trainers is just really birds matter. So be careful with the coaching and the cueing. You know, I know, like we said, for some people, it might say, you know, my grandma could do better and that might work for some of your clients. But, you know, what? just noticing, you know, I'm noticing how hard you're working. I'm loving the way you're giving it your all. And then, you know, ask why, why are they there? What's important to them in their lives? Um, it's the whole reward versus punishment. Intentions and takeaways, give them things, give them thoughts to take home to build their body positivity, um, giving them permission throughout the workout, helping them to curb comparing or at least not allowing it in your space. And then um, enoughness and talking about self-compassion and changing the conversation and also shifting to the stuff that your body can do versus what it looks like. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you will join in on the conversation. You can always email Abby or me um, and uh, reach out to us on social media or whatever it is that you want to do. I know on Instagram and Facebook and all that, I'm Angie Miller Fitness. What are you, Abby? I'm abbygriff.fit, so A-B-B-E-Y-G-R-I-F dot F-I-T. Okay, awesome. So thanks to all of you for joining us. Thanks so much for being a part of our Strong Mind, Strong Body series. I look forward to seeing you next week. Have an awesome weekend, everybody. See you next time.